Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey there, friends. Welcome into episode 70 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Just amazing. 70 episodes. Who who would have ever thought? My guest on the show today is Elijah Carbajal. And if you don't know Elijah, holy cow, folks, you need to know Elijah Carbajal. Let me tell you a little bit about him. So Elijah is a teacher who followed in the footsteps of teachers in his family. He has served as an educator in the state of New Mexico since 2014 and is currently a Title I reading interventionist, along with being the host of the Shut Up and Teach podcast, which also is awesome. He is the author of a new book, A Place They Love. Elijah works hard to make school and his classroom a place that students love, and that will clearly come through in this episode. He also loves to spend time with his wife, Tracy, and his cat, Nala. I will tell you, I've had the opportunity in person to hang out with Elijah and Tracy, and man, I will tell you what, they are next level. I love both of them. They are absolutely intense and absolutely awesome and truly, truly care about education. Elijah and I sat down and had a conversation, really not about a specific topic. Now, we began by talking a little bit about his book journey, but we also managed to get to calibrated evaluation conversations. We talked about the crosswalk between being an author and being a musician, between being a teacher and being a musician, and also some of the work now that Elijah is beginning to lead with professional development specific to the ed tech space. It was a fantastic conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it, and you're going to catch all of that right on the other side of this. Hey, friends, got some big news for you. The entire month of May, I am dedicating the Leaning Into Leadership podcast to our aspiring, rising, and brand new administrators. Each episode of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast will focus not only through a specific guest, but through a specific topic around how do we best prepare brand new, rising, and aspiring leaders to be successful in their job. You're going to hear from some incredible guests. You're going to hear some clips from previous episodes. You're going to get a special midweek drop every Wednesday during the month of May that focuses on those individual tips and insights that help you be the very best that you can possibly be if you are an aspiring, rising, or new administrator. Just stay tuned to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, folks, because you are going to love it. I cannot wait. Make sure that you share out the episodes and go and give us a review. Five-star reviews are awesome, just like this one from G. Lules. I hope I'm saying that right. Maybe it's Jules. But Jules will say, said this, If you are looking for a podcast to provide energy, leadership, advice, and wisdom, this is the podcast for you. Darren does a masterful job of pulling out wonderful reflections from his guests and sharing his own powerful experiences with the show. Regardless of your position, I know you will find great value from each episode. Thank you. Thank you, G. Lules or Jules, for this amazing five-star review. Make sure, folks, you give us a five-star review and share the show with somebody you know who will also love leading into leadership. 
Have you ever found yourself in professional development thinking, how is this supposed to help me be a better leader? Folks, PD for Leaders needs to focus on leadership. Introducing High Performance Leadership Teams, a two-day workshop from Road to Awesome. In this two-day workshop, we focus on getting the team very clear on their shared values, direction, and mission. Getting to know the house and understanding the strengths that each of us bring to the table and how we best leverage those. We focus on how we go about getting the work done. We focus on team dynamics. We focus on how it is that we continue to evolve together as a team. Hey, right now, it's a tough time to be a leader. And it's really difficult to grow together as a leadership team unless you're intentional. High Performance Leadership Teams is exactly that, an opportunity to be very intentional about your team. Hey, leaders, I want to work with your team. I want to help set you up for success. Send me an email at darrenmpeppard at roadtoawesome.net or shoot me a direct message on social media. Let's get your leadership team on the road to awesome with high-performance leadership teams. Hey friends, April is Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month, and here at Road to Awesome, we're really excited to share a brand new children's book titled, I'm Autistic and I'm Awesome. I'm Autistic and I'm Awesome is an illustrated children's book that celebrates the uniqueness of our children on the autism spectrum. Families and friends can use this book to come together, share their experiences, and celebrate the superpowers gifted to their children as they make and navigate their own world. This book is for everyone, families, parents, siblings, and friends who cherish their relationship with someone who is autistic and awesome. This amazing new book by Derek Danziger is available now at roadtoawesome.net and on Amazon. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. All right, Elijah, welcome into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Uh, how you doing today, man? Hey, uh, hey, Darren, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. So just really quick uh, for my listeners who maybe don't know you, um, quick elevator version, who you are, you know, uh, what you're up to, that kind of thing. Right on. Well, I'm Elijah. I like long walks on the beach. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> but I am, uh, my name is Elijah Carvajal. <laughs> I'm a Title I reading interventionist out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I mentioned earlier that I'm married to uh, my beautiful wife, Tracy Taylor. Um, some of y'all might be familiar with her. She was over at Teach Better and gave an awesome, awesome presentation uh, there. But, um, you know, we got married. Um, we're almost almost a year into our marriage now. And, um, you know, I've I've explored some things in education. I, you know, um, podcast, you know, I do a little bit of podcasting called Shut Up and Teach. And uh, I'm actually coming up on two years of doing that. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, didn't imagine it would go that far, but here we are. And um, I've written a book which I'm also very excited about, very proud of. It's called A Place They Love. 
Uh, it was published through Edgy Match Publishing, and it actually uh, was released October 14th, was the, uh, which was the first day of the Teach Better conference. So that was like a bonus, yeah. like like a little cherry on top for me on that release day. So, um, you know, just super, super excited and, and thrilled to be part of the Edgy Match family and have that book out. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, my, you know, I'm all about making school fun, making school exciting and enjoyable for everyone there. And uh, that's a little about me. Yeah, and no, I like that. And, uh, you know, there's a few things in there I want to I want to come back to. But but first, I want to go right at, um, yeah, October 14th. So we're all, you know, at the the Teach Better conference. And I know for a lot of people. Um, that was the first conference back in person mm-hmm. that that they had attended. You know, I think it was probably my third or fourth, but there were a lot of people, you know, this is the very first one. And then just add to all that, that excitement that that was the release date for your book. And uh, I know you and uh, you and Tracy, along with a lot of a lot of folks, um, you know, I know uh, Mandy was there from from Edge Match. Mm-hmm. She was really, really stoked about things. And um, it just I, I think it really had to be. Um, a little bit surreal for you to, you know, to be together with everybody at a conference. And that's the day that your book launched. So maybe just talk a little bit more about that. You know, it, it was pretty surreal, you know, walking in and, um, you know, I had, you know, it, like I said, it was, it was the release date. So I don't have any copies of any books, but I'm walking in, I've got this, you know, display with QR codes to, you know, all the sites where people can order from and I'm setting it up, um, you know, and I'm just like, overwhelmed like holy crap like i've got a book out like it just dropped today um and then that day um it did hit number one on the on the kindle version actually hit number one and it was kind of floating at number one for a day so you know like just that on top of it and just the overwhelming support from everybody there at teach better i know that um i know that ray hewer gave a big shout out and all that so i was you know just super appreciative of everything that teach better did to help kind of promote the book and help me have a great successful day with that. And also thankful for, um, for Mandy Froelich, like you mentioned, uh, she was there, but we uh, recorded our um, book launch uh, together, which, you know, was released that day, obviously. And so, um, you know, I'm just super thankful for everyone who helped with, with, you know, the process of making, you know, putting it all together and, you know, the whole editing thing, you're you're a published author yourself. So you know how that goes and what all what all goes into that. So yeah, just super appreciative of that. And so that that made that day, you know, just like, yeah, this is cool. But it was also a moment of I had a I had moments to reflect on, you know, like, wow, I've like, this was a long process. And this was a whole thing. (laughs) And here it is. So Oh, yeah. So let's let, let's just talk a little bit more about uh, about not necessarily what's in the book, but but your process uh, of getting to the book. Because mm-hmm. you know that's something that a lot of educators and and more and more and more educators now are becoming published authors. Um, there are you know a handful of of the indie publishers you know like like EduMatch or or like like us at Road to Awesome that are talking with educators all the time about you know hey I've got this idea for a book. Maybe just share a little bit of your journey, Elijah, from hey, I've got this idea to October 14th, 2022, you got a live book. Maybe just a little bit of that journey. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. So it actually goes back to Teach Better 2019. Um, 
so while I was there, I had, you know, I had no, no desire to be an author at this point, no clue that I would, would be writing a book. Um, you know, I was just going there to learn. I had connected with Becky Schnexer and um, Mike Earnshaw, so I was excited to meet them. But then, you know, there were other other speakers there, Adam Welcome, Dave Burgess, all these fantastic authors and educators, you know, that, you know, I wanted to go learn from. But one of the big things that I took away there was like, you need to be true to yourself. Like you need to be true to who you are as an educator. And so it got me thinking, well, who am I as an educator? And so I wanted to start reflecting on my practice and reflecting on the things that I was learning. And so for me, the best way to do that is to write. And so I, I started blogging and, um, you know, a few months in, this is probably around Jan, um, it's probably around January or so, January, February, I start kind of looking and I'm like, dang, there's kind of this like running theme throughout the, throughout the blogs. And it was, you know, school should be a, a place that kids love. School shouldn't be boring. School shouldn't be the place kids are dreading to go to and just excited to leave. Like, you know, I, it was all of this, like, I want school to be engaging and exciting and fun and safe and relaxed. And uh, just honestly, a place that kids loved. And so that's that's where the title came from, A Place They Love. But before I got there, you know, I had kind of my doubts, like just because there's a theme doesn't necessarily mean it's like a book. Like, you know, it's just something I'm learning at the time. Um, but I had lots of encouragement from uh, my wife, who was, she was my girlfriend at the time, but Tracy was uh, a huge encouragement just telling me, you know, just go for it. Like, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, and she said, if no one else reads it, I'll read it. And you know, that for me was like all the encouragement I needed to like go out and just put it out there. So, um, so I pitched to a couple different publishing companies. Um, one of which said, you know, Hey, we've got books similar to this. You know, we, it's not that we don't like what you got. We just got books similar to this. The next company, the when I heard back from them, it was right after COVID had hit. And they and it was Edgy Match Publishing, and they had said, "Hey, we're not taking any new, you know, we're not taking anybody new right now because of COVID and all that. We're putting things on hold." So you know, I waited and just kind of figured, well, maybe that's a sign. It's it's just not meant to happen, you know. But I kept it kept all that in the back of my mind. Um, started podcasting and you know exploring more things and still doing all these reflections that still had this same theme running through them. So fast forward to about uh, January, February, 2021, I pitch again to EduMatch Publishing. And this time, you know, I get an email back from Dr. Sarah Thomas, who wants to meet with me and, you know, says, hey, we're excited about this. We want to make it happen. And, you know, I was just completely overwhelmed because he was like, I had no idea, like when I started doing all that, you know, reflecting on who I was as an educator that it was going to lead to, to that. And so um, just leading up to even that point was really surprising and exciting all at the same time. Um, but actually writing the book itself, the process of writing the book, I had most of it written when I pitched it to Edumatch uh, Publishing. And so there were maybe two or three chapters that I added to it. And then lots and lots of editing as as you know lots and lots of editing 
um, multiple rounds. Oh yeah. Yeah. Multiple rounds and, you know, just going back and reflecting and, you know, trying to find the best words for things and find the, you know, so I can get my message across, you know, but, um, that part was actually really nerve wracking at first. Like when I, when I first put it out there, I was like, okay, great. Like they've got the manuscript. This is great. Like I'm, I'm on my way. And then I got that first comment from Mandy Froilek and I was like, holy crap, somebody's reading my book. And like, they're, they're, they're <laughs> giving me feedback on it and they're critiquing it. And like, then I got the, the, the confirmation from uh, Sarah Thomas, like, Hey, Sarah Thomas has commented on your, and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy and really nerve wracking because, you know, I poured so much of myself into this and people are reading it and I'm like, well, gosh, well, duh, people are going to read it. But like, am I ready for the critiques and all that stuff, even from my publisher? And, uh, but the way I started thinking about it was like, like a music artist and like their producers, right? So the producer is going to help that, that artist get the best sound that they can possibly get out of their instruments, out of their vocals, you know, the, they're going to help them find the right melodies and things like that. And so I started thinking about Sarah Thomas and, and Mandy Foy, like it's kind of like my producers and me more as like a as like a musical artist is like hey they're just trying to get the best sound out of you in this case and so they're they're not working against you they're working for you you know they're working with you to help get the best sound out of your book and so once i thought about it that way everything kind of like eased up and it was like oh like this is cool like we're we're working on the same team we're all like working towards the same goal this is great. And so from then on, you know, the editing, like I said, there was tons of it, but I enjoyed it more. You know, I, I really became like, kind of like looking forward to editing through, through the book and getting the best sound that I could out of it. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the process of writing through it and, you know, get, getting to that point was really exciting. And then a lot of work, way more work than I ever thought it would be. And, you know, but just really, you know, really happy with it overall. So really happy to be part of edgy match publishing as well. They, they helped me out tremendously. So. I think that's awesome. And, and I will, I will say, you know, Do Dr. Thomas, uh, Mandy Frolic, they, they really do wonderful, wonderful work. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think they're both very, uh, inspirational, uh, definitely some, uh, two people that I really think super highly of. Um, I, I want to go back to something that you were just saying there kind of towards the end and, and maybe take it and go across the street with it. So, um, you were talking about how that editing process, how you kind of shifted in your mind from it being really, you know, almost like critique and, and being, you know, maybe a little timid or a little bit like, you know, Oh boy, you know, I, I'm afraid, you know, to, to, to hear some criticism and, and moving it into this, this space around, um, you know, thinking of it like a, like a music producer and then just trying to get the best sound and, and where I want to go across the street with that is now into your classroom and that, that's that school leader, that administrator, that whomever it is that, that evaluates you when, when you look at getting feedback in the classroom, uh, and I, I want to focus first on you as a teacher with your supervisor. I'm, I'm going to crosswalk this in a minute to you working with kids as an interventionist. But how do you view that process? And, and are there some parallels that, that you can draw now looking at your editing process with your 
you know, your evaluator trying to get the best sound out of you as a teacher? Yes. Um, you know, that's something that I've been thinking about um, recently um, is that is that evaluations should always be to help grow the teacher. Um, you know what I mean? It's like if it's just, yeah. you know, I've, I've come from districts, you know, where it was like, yes, we're going to grow you, but we're also looking for the gotcha moment. And so there was, you know, I, I don't feel like there should be a lot of those gotcha moments. It should be a chance for, for you as the teacher to have that conversation with your administrator following an evaluation to say, Hey, how can, I'm going to go use the terms that I use how, earlier. How can we get the best sound out of my teaching? And um, so I, I really start to, I'm really starting to view evaluations as that conversation to grow myself. You know, when I have an evaluation, I want to grow myself. So I'm really starting to, to look at it as that opportunity and a chance to have those sorts of conversations. Now, I know you talked about how it applies to students. Now, one thing I will say yeah. this, I was way, hard, way too harsh looking back as my, as you know, I'm a reading interventionist now. So I grade things. I don't, I don't necessarily grade writing per se. Um, but I look back at my time as a classroom teacher and I'm like, holy cow, I was really harsh on some kids when it came to editing because, you know, I, you know, grown adult, you know, teacher, you know, went through multiple rounds of editing and finding typos and, you know, little, you know, misspellings, you know, stuff like that. Even when I got the proof copy, I still looked through and I was like, man, I've, there's a typo right there. There's a typo right there. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. it really made me think like, holy cow, we're kind of harsh on students or I was anyway, I don't know about every teacher, but I can say I was looking back. It's kind of harsh on their editing of like, in the grading process of like, you missed a period. So I'm taking, you know, a half a point off for that or whatever the case may be. And that's like, maybe we need to kind of ease up on that a little bit, you know, <laughs> like if it's to help grow, yeah. if it's to help grow me and get the best sound out, it should be to help grow the students and get the best sound out of their writing as well. I think that's fantastic. And, and I, I want to go maybe just, just one step further with that. I mm -hmm. love where you went with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about, you know, you've talked very highly and, and appropriately so of both Sarah and Mandy with, with Edumatch and how they helped as a team. I mean, even you mentioned, you know, so here comes the proof and, you know, oh, there's a typo there. Same thing happened with, with my book. There, there was a, you know, a couple of typos when we got the proof. I know, you know, when, uh, when we're getting ready to release a book here at Road to Awesome, same thing. You know, it's Jess, it's myself, it's the author. Even then in the proof, we're going to find maybe one thing or something like that. My, my point is a lot of eyes go into getting that best sound. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, and, and this is just maybe a hypothetical question. Maybe it's more of a educational philosophy question. When you think about grading and you think about maybe you, that you were a little too harsh is having just one perspective on a grade really the best way for us to be grading our students? You know, you know, that's, that's a really interesting question. And it makes me think of some of a practice that we used to have at the, at the first school that I started teaching at, um, where we were, 
we sat down together and we looked at a piece of writing and we all sat down to collaborate and say, what grade would this be according to the rubric? We had a rubric and we, and we evaluated it. And it was really interesting to find because everybody's grading was off. And so we really had to stop and say, you know what, we need to calibrate, you know, and kind of come to an agreement of this is what is proficient. This is what is, you know, a nearing proficient score and this is advanced or whatever, you know, what have you. And so we helped calibrate that. But then we had, we had a three, we had three writing prompts a year, beginning, middle and end. Um, where kids had to do like an opinion writing one year. And then the next year it was like, like a narrative and stuff like that. So it would change from year to year, but we calibrated at the beginning of the year. And then we sat down, not with our kids writing, but we sat down with another group. So it was like me, I was teaching fourth grade. So it'd be myself and another fourth grade teacher grading, you know, somebody, you know, another fourth grade teacher's students work but we had that trust to do that because we had we had built that that accountability of this is this is what we're going to hold ourselves to as far as our grading and so having multiple eyes on it in this case was always a good idea i thought because and the teachers did the teachers would come back from time to time not always but from time to time say hey you gave my student this grade i have a question because i think and then the conversations surrounding the right. grade would start and then the grade would, would either fluctuate. Okay. We can agree to, you know, adding a couple points or whatever the case may be. So I, I, I do think in this case there that maybe having multiple points of view on an assessment might actually be, especially when it comes to writing, um, might be yeah. beneficial. I think, where where I was going with that, and 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 you went to a place that that I like even better. Um, we need to be able to find that consistency, I, I guess, across you know across grading. I, I like that you're you're likening that to to that work with writing, and actually, I, I would say that work that you're describing, where you guys are are working to develop consistency across a rubric, so that it's equally you know equally applied, I guess, to to every every one of those prompts that are, are graded, mm-hmm. um, I think is really powerful And it. Now I'm going to walk it back up in the opposite direction of where, where we just went back to administrators with, uh, with teachers. A lot of the work that I do right now with coaching administrative teams is working on exactly that. We call it inter-rater reliability. In other words, if I come into your classroom and I'm going to, you know, evaluate you, if, you know, the person right next to me instead came in and evaluated you, would you see roughly the same, you know, the the same outcomes? Um, I I think this is just one of those practices. And I don't even know if I'm leading to a question here. I'm just kind of, you know, working off of what you just talked about. But I I think that's one of those practices that we have to get better at in education, that we don't feel that only my view is going to be the correct view or that I see the same things that somebody else does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, when, when I'm bringing groups, you know, or when I'm working with, with teams around, around walkthroughs, it's let's not just go one person, let's go multiple because then we can talk about what did you see? What did you see? What did you see? Because different sets eyes are going to see different things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there, um, there was a district that I came from where um, that was kind of the, the thing. So we had an, a, a, a 
principal and an assistant principal who would come in usually at the beginning of the year and do walkthroughs. And then they would, they would sit down afterwards and say, what is, what did you see? What did you not see? What, you know, where, you know, how can we calibrate, you know, to make sure that we're on the same page? Because what they, what they would do was in your first semester, your evaluator might be your principal, but in your second semester, it might be your assistant principal. And so they wanted to mix it up that way. So they were evaluated by both administrators, but they calibrated to make sure that it was fair in both of those instances. So just very similar to what you were talking about. Yeah. That's one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is being able to have conversations that like in this case, you know, um, Elijah, when you and I first jumped on before we hit record, probably wouldn't have thought this was where our conversation is going to go. Uh, but, uh, but definitely, I mean, it's go it's going into a really great place and I appreciate that. And, um, it, it just kind of makes me want to then toss it over to, to have you talk just a little bit about your podcast. Cause I know you do something very similar. Mm-hmm. You're looking for those organic conversations and, um, just trying to do everything you can to learn and grow. I know that's, that's one of my primary motivators for for having the podcast. What uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast, but but also what are what are some things that you have learned and and been able to maybe grow as an individual as a professional as a result of doing your podcast? Yeah, so the podcast started um, as a way of two things: reflection and connection. So I, it started first and foremost reflection because I was too scared to interview anybody when I first started. So it was, it was really just me sharing my thoughts. Hey, I learned this lesson today at school. You know, um, you know, this is something I've been reading about researching, whatever, you know, all those reflections. And, um, you know, but then I, I had put in the description with honest conversations. And so I said, at some point, I'm going to have to start interviewing people. So, you know, finally stepped out and, you know, um, I think Becky Schnexer was the first person I interviewed and, you know, the conversation went great. So, um, you know, as I do it more and more, I ease into that, you know, and become a little more comfortable as the host. Um, and, you know, but one thing I've learned, I would say, yeah, well, let me, well, we'll talk about what the podcast is all about, and then I'll get into that what I what I learned because I think that's how you wanted to to go about that. But um, so the podcast really centers around those two things: reflection and connection. Um, from time to time, you'll hear me do a solo recording of something that I'm learning as an educator. Um, it's been everything from branding your classroom. Um, you know, I had an episode called I'm proud of you, where I just wanted to give a shout out to teachers and, you know, let them know, Hey, if no one else has told you they're proud of you, let me be the one to do that. So, you know, the reflections are, you know, range from a number of things. And then, uh, the guest, the connection part of it is, is my guest that I bring onto the show. And I've been able to speak with some really great people, um, librarians, um, principals, uh, other teachers, and so other authors. So it's been a great way for me to connect with them and learn from them and grow from them. Um, but one thing that I've learned um, on, you know, by podcasting and, and also listening to other podcasters, um, such as yourself, you know, with, with guests on the show is how much, how much talking am I doing as the host? 
you know, that was one thing I was worried about was, oh, I got to have all the right questions and I gotta have all the right things to say. And it was just like, you know what, like, just let the conversation happen organically and let them share, like highlight them. And so that's been a really um, important thing for me is to highlight my guest in the best way that I can. Um, but without the pressure of, I have to do it perfect. Um, so there's that. The other thing I've learned, uh, the, the other thing I've learned is that I don't have to be married to my podcast. <laughs> and so there's been times where, you know, it's like, I, I don't have anything to say, you know, or I'm going to take the whole summer off. I'm not going to record anything. I'll just, you know, share old episodes or whatever, but I'm not going to record anything because I'm taking the summer off. Um, you know, that's been good for me because I, I felt at first, like I have to be committed to it. And, and yes, when I'm doing it, I try to be consistent with putting out episodes frequently and, you know, staying on top of it, you know, and being organized with it. But at the same time, it's like, if I can't get a guest, you know, this week, or if I have nothing to say this week, I have nothing to say and I don't have a guest and it is what it is, you know, it, it'll be okay. I'm not married to the podcast in, in any sense, you know, I want it to grow. I want to see impact. I want to see connection and, and reflection, but, um, but yeah, that's just been something I've learned is, is balancing that, you know, that part of the education part of me and the personal side of me as well. Well, it's super important that you do that. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we've heard a lot about, you know, just how much we have to take care of ourselves and we have to not necessarily simply define ourselves by, you know, what we do, you know, whether that's the work you do in the classroom, your podcast or, or whatever, whatever the case may be, we've got to make sure that there's that balance. Now I want to, I would say I want to go off script, but I don't follow a script as you know. Um, instead I think I'll just, I'm going to chase something that, uh, that I see, obviously my, my listeners don't get to see what's behind you, but I see three guitars Mm -hmm. behind you. And I mean, Obviously, they're not just sitting there as decoration on the wall while we're talking. Um, talk a little bit about those and, you know, what what your connection with music is. Um, just, yeah, tell me about Three Guitars on the Wall. Oh, man, Three Guitars on the Wall. That story starts a long time ago. Um, so my, my dad was a drum major in high school um, and was quite... Yeah, I was fantastic at it from what I understand. His, uh, he showed us his, he didn't have a Letterman jacket. He had a Letterman sweater, but the whole thing is just covered with patches and awards from all these, you know, competitions and stuff like that. Um, but he came from a very musical family as well. His, you know, my grandpa was a band director, you know, my grandma played multiple instruments and taught music. And so, you know, my dad and his two brothers played music all the time. There was always music playing in the house. So that love for music, I think, came from from my dad and, and, and from my mom. My mom plays guitar. Um, but it really came from, you know, from the two of them and, you know, just letting us listen to music. You know, we, we you know, I grew up, I'm a Christian, you know, that's my faith. And so we'd spend every Sunday, you know, it was driving to church, listening to gospel hymns and, you know, stuff like that. And we get to church and sing, and then we go home and listen to more gospel hymns. And so, um, but just having those moments um, to ride around and just even just have that access to music really fostered a love of music for me. Um, 
So there's two there's two guitars, you know, on my right and left. There's an acoustic and an electric. But right in the middle is my is my bass guitar. And so bass is actually my first love, and I stumbled upon it by accident. So <laughs> I was, you know, there was a couple kids uh, that you know I knew that played guitar, and uh, we had just set up my dad's drum set. And my older brother was kind of messing around with drums and was really good at it. And um, so he said, we were talking like we should totally start a band. Like you, we got drummers now. Like you, you can be a drummer. Like you, could, I have I play guitar, and I said, yeah, I'll play guitar too. Like I'll be the rhythm guitar. You could be lead. And he goes, no we need a bass player. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess I'll learn to play bass. So it was actually on accident. And then I just ended up falling in love with it. Um, so I've been playing bass since I was 14. So that's, I'm, you know, do the math. I'm 31 now. Um, and then, uh, you know, picked up guitar, you know, shortly after that, I took piano lessons from my aunt. Um, and, uh, you know, that really helped grow my knowledge of music and, and, you know, the skills. But, you know, music has, has been a big part of my life. You know, I, I, I like I seriously do constantly listen to music. Um, I don't know if you get the updates, like if you have an iPhone or you get that update of like, this is your screen time. And it's like I have like a crazy amount of yeah. screen time, but it's all music. Like I'm not necessarily like scrolling through Facebook for hours. It's like I'm listening to music for hours. Um, so it's been a big part of me. It's helped me get through a lot of a lot of dark times. It's helped me rejoice in in those bright times. And uh, I, you know, I, I can't imagine a world without music. You know, so it's just that would just be sad. <laughs> Wow, that's that's awesome, you know, and just that that took me back just a little bit to I guess to to close the circle uh, in our in our conversation before I go to my last question uh, of us at uh, at Teach Better, and I think it was the last evening that that you and Tracy were there. Um, you and Tracy and I, and I think there were a couple others involved in the conversation. Uh, Dave Schmidto and I don't remember who else was at the uh, kind of hanging around the table, uh, but we had a really deep conversation about Eminem. I, I remember mm -hmm. Tracy was wearing, uh, you know, an Eminem T-shirt, and uh, or maybe that was you that was wearing the Eminem no, shirt. Actually, I think so it was, it was her, Tracy. But... So it was Tracy, but I know people can't see today. But I've got on Kendrick Lamar on today. So oh, you know, big, you, you know, big. It's been like, you know, rock and roll, punk rock, metal, all that, like country music, gospel, you know, like I said, I grew up in church, so I know all the hymns and stuff, but uh, a little bit of rap on the side as well. Yeah. But you were saying, yeah, we were having, yeah. a, I remember that we were yeah. having that conversation about Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the th the things that you talk about when when you're at a school conference when you just don't want to talk about school. Right. Uh, we had a had a really great conversation about about Eminem and and, and actually a, a lot of different uh, pieces of music that we talked about uh, that particular evening. That was um, definitely definitely a good memory yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah. So um, so let's let let's transition then um, into um, a quick talk about the final question that I ask everybody here uh, on the leaning into leadership podcast. Um, and that's just simply this, uh, Elijah, how are you leaning into leadership right now? So leaning, I'm leaning into leadership in a couple different, couple different ways. Um, I'm starting to give more professional development at my school and that's through a number of different ways. 
Um, so I'm giving professional development coming up here in January about my book, um, you know, getting, getting them excited because we're going to do a book study on it. But then um, I'm also the ed tech ambassador at my school. And so um, that's been really great because I've been able to uh, learn and gather a lot of great ed tech resources and, you know, give those back to, to teachers. I'm going to give professional development coming up here um, probably around the spring or so. Um, I'm going to give some professional development surrounding some ed tech tools and resources. Um, but this was, this is kind of the, 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 big thing for me and and i know some people may may get turned off by this some may be like Woohoo, go elijah but um i decided this year that i was going to be our union fed rep um and so i you know we had talked about it you know at the school that there hasn't been a fed rep for like five or six years there and so um our principal is kind of like like I, I, she's like, I understand what the union is for. She said, but I would like a union rep here to kind of help guide me. She said, because I don't want to be in trouble. Like I want to make sure that I'm, you know, being equitable yeah. and fair and following the rules too. And so when I told her, Hey, I'm, you know, I, I decided to be the fed rep here. She was actually really excited, which you don't always get from a principal, right? I don't always get that when it comes to yeah. union, but she was really excited and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to lean on you for this because, you know, she said, I'm, I'm, she's a new principal. Um, she's doing a great job, but she's a new principal and learning, you know, just like we all do. And so she said, there's, there's things about, you know, the negotiated contract that you might know that I don't know. She said, so I'm going to lean on you for that because I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm being equitable and, you know, following the rules here and that everybody gets along basically and that everything's cool yeah. between between teachers and admin and in the district and all that so um those are just a couple ways that i've really been kind of leaning into it um with being a that's one more thing with being the union rep i'm a member of the instructional council um so i you know i have a voice in that in that area as well so um but, you know, it's not just me, you know, there's other teachers that are doing a lot of similar stuff, you know, and being on instructional council and all that, it, you know, we're all kind of leaning into that as much as we can, but that's, that's me for, for right now. So I think that, uh, there's a lot of power there too. Uh, and, and by power, I don't mean, oh, I'm the union rep, therefore I have power. I mean, rather the power for you to be able to learn and and observe and really just get a, a much better concept around how things function within the district within the building mm -hmm. um, you know maybe maybe jumping up a little bit at, at about a 5,000 foot view every now and again in that role so yeah there may be some who are like oh man why would you do that I, I'm one of those who's, who's gonna cheer you on and say you know what I think that's awesome um, as as a building principal, um, I had I had uh, three different um, building reps in my building. We had a huge building, mm -hmm. so I had a large large group of building reps. But I met with them at least once a month collectively. Um, there was one year I had actually the union president and vice president in my school. I was able to go right to them. So what your principal is talking about is really really smart work. You know, in, instead of waiting around for something to become a problem, go and have a conversation. Yes. You know, if if 
if it's if it's not a good decision, don't do it. You know, run it by somebody. And it's I think it puts a lot of trust. The fact that she was excited that that you're in that role says that she puts a lot of trust in you too. So so definitely kudos on that. I think that's important. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, just one final thing, then, really quick, um, Elijah. So the book, the podcast social media, everything that you're doing for my listeners who really want to get in touch with you, want to get a copy of the book, want to listen to your podcast. How do they find you? How do they get in touch? For sure. Okay. So, um, I am probably most active on Twitter and, um, Facebook and Instagram is kind of about the same. Um, but anyway, my Twitter and my Instagram handle are both the same. It's at Carba Eli. So that's at C A R. B-A-E-L-I. So that's my uh, Instagram and Twitter handle. If you search Elijah Carbajal on Facebook, you'll find me. Um, My podcast is available on most major platforms. So whatever you're using, um, whether it's Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google, um, if you just search for the Shut Up and Teach podcast, you'll be able to find it. so that's the podcast and the book is available um, on multiple sites, Edumatch website, Barnes and Noble, and it is available on Amazon in three uh, different formats on Amazon. So there's a paperback, hardback, and the Kindle. Excellent. I will make sure, folks, that all of that stuff, if you were trying to trying to really quick write that down or memorize the time in the show so you could come back and write it down later because you're driving – I'll put all of that stuff in the show notes so it's easy easy for you to uh, get access to that. We'll hyper, hyperlink it so it takes you right where you need to be. Uh, Elijah Carbajal, thank you so much for joining me today on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Yeah, thank you, Darren. All right. Once again, big thank you to Elijah Carbajal for coming on the show. You can definitely check out his podcast and his book. You'll find hyperlinks to both of those down in the show notes. And now it's time for a pep talk. So earlier this week, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, uh, the All It Takes is a Goal podcast with John Acuff. And John and his guest were talking about perfectionism and how so often we will let perfectionism like cripple us. Like we're not willing to take a chance because what we have started to put together, whether that's a book or we're going after a promotion or whatever the case may be, because it's not perfect – We don't put it out. We don't take the risk. It was just such an interesting conversation. And they made their way to that deficit mindset where, oh, you know, I don't have this particular skill or, oh, I'm not really good at this. And we allow those limitations to hold us back. It got me thinking about leaders, especially early career leaders. How often do we let those things that we have no control over get in our way. John followed it up with this incredible quote, and this is what I want to wrap up the pep talk with today. He said, you are 100% of the people you are 100% in control of. I'm going to say it one more time because it's just that powerful. You are 100% of the people you are 100% in control of. Don't let the deficit mindset get in your way. Don't let the imposter syndrome creep in on you. And don't allow perfectionism to keep you from taking a chance on something that you want. Those are my thoughts for this week. Thank you for joining me on Leaning Into Leadership. Have a road to awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. 
brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.